Welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. I'm Steven. And hey, Steven. Good morning. Good morning to what you. What do you think of that? Good morning to you. It's pretty early for us. It is pretty early I'm, for us. Looking at Jonah, I would say it's really early for well, Jonah. Well, I was at St. Vitus last night for the first time in a while, and uh, I made up for it. No surprises, yeah. though, right? Who'd you see at St. Vitus? I saw um, a band called Cheap Girls, um, a band called Chumped, uh, and this really good That's band. Great name. Man, what is the other band I saw? The dude from Weston is in this new band. Beach Slang? Yes. How is Beach Slang? They're I love really, that band. Really, really good. Brad, this is your band. Really? I haven't even yeah, heard be- of them. Because they sound like the replacements. <laughs> yeah. Someone really? was like, I was like, I don't know if I want to go early. And they're like, well, this band, it's like, it sounds like Dinosaur Jr. and the replacements. I was like, ah, I guess I'll go. And yeah, they were really good. <laughs> and it's like, you've heard it before, but they do it really, really well. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty much down for it anytime anybody does it. Few people have failed too much. Um, Come on, you have all those Goo Goo Dolls records. Dude, that <laughs> that second Goo Goo Dolls record, I still love it. Is that the one with, was it Superstar Car Wash? Yeah. There's all the polka yeah, dots. The no, no, no. It's not Superstar Car Wash. It's the one with all the polka dots on it. Like, it's called, like, Hold Me Up or something. Is this when they were on Metal Blade? Yeah. It's their yeah, second okay. record. Yeah. Their first record is, like, all covers. Their second record was they were trying so desperately to be the replacements. And then... They made the mistake of trying to be Paul Westerberg after that, and that's when they got really famous and made all the money that he should have made and sucked <laughs> at it. Uh, Dude, that second Goo Goo Dolls record, I will always stand behind that record. I love that You know what's so record. weird? You know what record I listened to yesterday was Soul Asylum Grave Dancers Union? Brilliant. Same era, exactly. <laughs> yeah, same era. And I was like, some of the songs, I was like, these are like power pop songs. Yeah, yeah totally. Dude, so- Soul record. Asylum just did not get their due, and they got it. They subtly got it too late because, like, I will stand behind Hang Time. Yeah, you know, that Soul totally. Sound yeah, record. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's my favorite one. Even for some, sure. of, even some of the hits like that. That lick in the beginning of Somebody to Shove, like it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's a kill. Yeah, I love them. Years ago, I had tickets to see Bob Dylan, and it was for my birthday. And um, I could kind of tell Trish really wasn't into going to see Bob Dylan, and that she was doing this for me. <laughs> and she went, "Hey, um, I know you're really going to see Bob Dylan, but." I can get his tickets to Cheap Trick playing the Beacon with Soul Asylum opening, and I went sold. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I sold the I sold the Bob Dylan tickets, and I had a much better time. Nice, nice man. Well, speaking of amazing times at shows, today's guests uh, Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence Arms and Toby Jack from Red Scare, and they are doing. They were here when they were doing their tenth anniversary show here, and they're doing one on the twenty fifth, October twenty fifth at the Metro. There's a pre-show, a show, and a post-show. Brendan's playing in like 18 bands and solo and with the Falcon. Um, and yeah, the Methadones are playing, Mast Intruder, Teenage Bottle Rocket. Um, Dude, what a great show. It's going to be awesome. We should go. Yeah. What, to just fly to Chicago real quick oh, and come back? <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to leave the next day. Yeah, I don't know. We should go. Yeah, why not? You're already on tour. Figure sure. it out. Exactly. We're like I've never Playboy. been to the Metro. Steven and I are total Playboy jet setters, and oh, I yeah. think we could totally just do that. Just go to Chicago for the weekend, man. Sure. We're a couple of bon vivants. <laughs> yes. Uh, while we're talking about tour dates, I'm going to be playing Gainesville Fest November 2nd. Woo! So come check us out. We're playing at the Woolly with the Melvins, Circle Take the Square, and then West Coast, uh, October, November 4th through the 15th. I like right how he's, on. you know, he's slugging this in at the beginning of the podcast. Instead well, because I feel like I end. always do this at the end, and I'm like, there's probably like four people <laughs> listening know, to I this. Know. That's what I'm saying. And so, yeah, he's smartening up. I yeah, think this. Learning. I think <laughs> this is three smart. And I would like to tag onto this. If you if you want to see my face, talk to some bands. You can go over to Yahoo and check out uh, Fan Connection, sponsored by Sprint, and you can see me sitting down with uh, so far Adam Duritz. Um, this band R5, which is like. They're on Hollywood Records and couldn't have been cooler. And one of the kids in the band is like just turned 16 and on a Disney show. And uh, they're pretty rocking. And then uh, Rodrigo and Gabriella I sat down with. They're awesome. Nice. And if if you're wondering, did we talk about Metallica and how they've let us down? Oh, we we did. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Do not tell Paul Delaney every time. Like later era Metallica comes up in the podcast and I should talk it. I like get like an angry text message from him. Yeah. (laughs) I'm for sure going to get beat up at some point. He's going to get you. He is. Uh, All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Brendan and Toby. It's going on track. 
So happy 10th birthday. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Woo. That's right. That's right. Congratulations. Do you, do you start this thing? Do you, yeah. do you just turn it on? Or do you We're just go now? now. Starting it now. It's happening right. now. It just started. All right. Yeah. It's, at some point, it was a beginning for everything, Jonah. It's true. It's true. So what was it like way back in 2004? <laughs> yeah. It could have, it'd be one thing. We could, if it was 99, we could at least say, ah, back in the 1900s or something mm-hmm. like that. Now yeah. it's 2004. Uh, I was I was working at Fat Records. Uh, I had interned there, and I had worked there for like six or seven years. And uh, I, I, it was actually one of Brendan's like side projects. I knew another friend's band that I couldn't find a home for. And uh, so, you know, I, I was already like going to shows every night. I was like pretty uh, grossly immersed in punk rock. I was working at a label all day, going to shows. And for whatever reason, I invited more of that into my life and started a label on the side. And, you know, you'd think you'd have enough. Uh, but so it started out with a couple of releases, Brennan's thing, The Falcon. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, then was NMU and then was Teenage Bottle Rocket and it just kind of snowballed from there. It's been pretty fun, you know, 10 years later. So you, so you brought out Teenage Bottle Rocket and then Mike took them? Yeah, well, that's happened a few times. Um, <laughs> I, I don't mean it like... Uh, no, we. That's one of the things we're where we we try to do. I don't think like Red Scare is a pretty. Uh, uh, it's a platform to get noticed, but it's not like uh, it's not like where your career wants to end up, really. Yeah, you, you know? know, and I don't actually have a problem with. I mean, I think some bands can stay on the label forever, but in some cases, we've we've tried to develop bands. Like the reason why we started ten years ago was I wanted to help my friends get their projects out you know and that's sort of the same spirit it is 10 years ago we're just still trying to help our friends get their music heard in a lot of cases like we've got a couple bands on epitaph and there's like three on fat records so you know i I wouldn't say it's an incubator because you know those are small labels relatively small labels anyhow but um our bands go on to do uh you know sometimes bigger better things and some some of them stay and we work out you know but um yeah, it, no, Mike's never quote taken any bands, but he's he. But you know, we always like talk about it, and it's worked out pretty beneficially. I mean, they have better distribution, and you know, a great publicist, a friend of ours, Vanessa. Yes. Yeah, Vanessa. And, and, and also, the greatest publicist. Yes, the True. greatest. And also, like, uh, you know, it bears mentioning that uh, when Toby was working at Fat, he was sort of one of the, uh, for lack of a better term, like A and R. Uh, personalities over there as well so like a lot of the bands that were getting signed to fat were coming across mike's desk via uh toby going out to these shows every night and like seeing these you know little bands so with red scare he just kind of added a step where he could take a little bit of that sweet sweet green sweet yeah (laughs) and it's pretty green my friends (laughs) yeah um if you're thinking about starting a label you you shouldn't (laughs) um why red scare just a big mccarthy fan or yeah big mccarthy no man um i uh you know it's funny i people ask this i I wanted to have it kind of i was sort of inspired by like what a band propaganda was doing with g7 welcoming committee they were like a a leftist oriented um label and they had a lot of like content with with their music if you know anything about propaganda that's like kind of an understatement there there's a lot to unload with their songs you know unpack and stuff so uh, and they had a lot of cool leftist bands, but at some point, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of ashamed of this, but like, I, I, I kind of was in a position where you have to put the music first, and you know, generally all our bands are our friends anyhow, so we kind of have these shared values, so it's not like there's any, we never had to really censor any bands or anything, but. By and large, they're all like left-leaning punk rock bands, but it's not sort of like what I was kind of hoping with it being. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, can, can a record label have a, a record label shouldn't have a political bent? You know, that's like that's why your logo's on the back and the band's logo's on the front. You know, and I think um, it'd be weird for us to try to steer that anyhow. And I, I think it's also weird for us to sign and promote any bands for things other than the music even though the message is always a part of the music but we shouldn't just be like you know there's a lot of criteria that go goes into like why you want to work with a band you know if they're cool do they work hard art did they can they other songs good you know messages great, great dicks 
Great dicks. Well, we like them. Big, shiny phalluses. Uh, I was. I had a clock here. It's funny. I had a timer over here, and I called it my cock <laughs> clock, and I was just waiting for Brendan, Brendan to, like, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. to no, do it, true. and I was wrong. I went over. So. You went over? <laughs> yeah, the, the dick joke uh, thing is, it's, yeah. Everything, I've always got this, like, when I, when I put words out, when you, when you talk to Brendan, imagine, like, symbols <laughs> leaving your mouth. He's looking at those symbols, and he's dissecting them. To see where he can fit a dick joke in there. That's how. It <laughs> That's how works. I am with puns. I feel like you, your pun guy. Yeah, big pun guy. Uh, dude, it's it's. I wish we had a running list. We actually at this point we could put out a book. So, Tebu, what you're saying is you're a communist. I I'm a socialist. I think. Can you be a socialist? <laughs> uh, and I think so. Communism doesn't work. It's a good theory, but yeah, social, socialism I think would work. I like you know I'm I'm an advocate for like the whole socialized you know like Sweden. I like what Sweden's got. You know, I was in Sweden actually uh, this year. I went after I was traveling with Lawrence Arms and I snuck onto NoFX's bus and they were going to Sweden. I've never been. I've always wanted to go, being that I'm a, you know, a godless commie. And Sweden <laughs> is awesome. Everyone there is so nice. They speak better English than like even like Americans, Germans. I don't know. They, they really, they're great. But beer does cost 10 bucks in Sweden. Yeah. So, you know, we can, I can romanticize, romanticize like, uh, socialism but there is something to be said there's a downside there is a downside ten dollar beers and (laughs) ugly dark side to socialism (laughs) where you have to be a fucking millionaire to get drunk those high taxes there yeah you know and also sweden they have that thing where you know you're in a your band is basically funded by the government you know oh yeah well that's i mean in norway is where that shit's really like insane because my my buddy's norwegian and uh he, he he Gives me the condensed uh, history of uh, Sweden and Norway. And like Sweden used to kind of, you know, rule Norway. And so the Norwegians and the Swedes, the Swedes always looked down on Norway and then Norway and like something like the 60s or the 70s found a ton of oil under Norway and became like the richest nation in the world. And they were like, hey, Sweden, go fuck yourself. And now like being Norwegian, if you're just Norwegian living somewhere else, you get a stipend for spreading Norwegian culture. Like, just by moving out of the country, you get a check. No way. Yeah, and then, like, uh, you get, um, like, the women get, like, a year maternity leave, two-year uh. maternity leave. The men get a year maternity leave. Paternity leave. Uh, it's, it's like, it's a pretty great situation. And if you, like, start any sort of project, to, it's sort of like how in, like, Montreal, they, you know, if you do anything that promotes French culture, you get a, like, a stipend or whatever. Yeah, well, this Norwegian friend of his, he's chosen to take his... Uh, "Quote unquote spreading of Norwegian culture, and what he like lived in Bolivia for. I mean, his if drinking and drugging counts as spreading Norwegian culture, then I think <laughs> yeah, then he's he, they should double his stipend if yeah. that's the case. He's but. like, yeah, I'm in if, Bolivia. I live in Uruguay. You know, if you if you consider the culture like herpes, then yeah, he's doing yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, so you've met Johan? Yeah. <laughs> I met a Swedish girl, and she's back there now, and she was like, people in America love me, but she's like in Sweden, I look like everyone else." Yeah, she's like everyone here is pale and blonde and like seventeen Hot. feet tall. Oh. Yeah, but she's like it's no big deal over there. She's like no guys will notice me here. Well, yeah, Beeks works. Uh, one of his coworkers is a Swedish bartender, and you know, yeah, she's pretty. Well, it's not just Sweden. I mean, like Canada subsidizes the arts. You know, you talk about like I was it, just talking about Montreal. You goddamn asshole. okay? Yes, <laughs> uh, but you know, but think about like all the. There's like a ton of there's a ton of great bands. <laughs> That come from Sweden, like Sweden had that like ridiculous like punk scene in the '90s with like Mill and Colin. All they, all they, they all got like grants. Like Canadian punk bands get factor grants and shit like that. You know, if you're not invading countries, uh, it turns out you have like a lot of There's more resources for the arts. You know, so. But you don't. But you don't have the. You, we have to <laughs> keep back to the Russia. military industrial complex working, Toby. I mean, calm down. If the military industrial complex would kick, uh, uh, complex would kick down like a few bucks to like shitty fly-by-night labels then i would i would maybe get on board with this but uh it's not really no it doesn't go that way so how did you guys become friends because when you were at fat you were in toby you were in la uh fat records is in san francisco san francisco right yeah. you've been there I've I've, been that's there. when i first yeah. met you i remember when you when you walked in the office and you're you're very understated um uh almost shy but soft-spoken gentleman and i remember you were like <laughs> You did this big alternative press like cover store on no effects, and you're just like, well, okay, um, 
I think I'm supposed to go to Fat Mike's house now, and we're and we're all just like, yeah, I don't know about this fucking guy. Like, uh, but it, it's it's the one thing that everyone always asks for. Like, all right, what's Fatty's house like? You know, like what's his fucking house like? Everyone wants to know what is he drives a big van that has like leopard print on the inside, of course, and like a t- and like a disco ball and shit. And he's had that for like 15 years, 10 years now. Still driving that thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, People, this people, was like nine years ago. This is a long time ago. But you did want to see his house. I did, no, I totally wanted to see his house. Yeah. I, still, to, I still wanted to see his house. Well, his house now, he lives in a little apartment. It ain't the yeah. same. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we were in San Francisco. You're in San Francisco. Right. Did you go out to dinner with us that night? We went to some sushi place. Probably, it sounds right. There were like a bunch of people. Yeah, Toby used to have this job where Fat Mike would uh, get drunk and high and he'd pay Toby to just like be sober and drive him around. Yeah, and <laughs> I wow. and see the thing is, everyone started to so. resent the shit out of me at Fat Records because at first Mike's like, "Hey, who wants to be my designated driver for like two hundred dollars a night?" And everyone's like, "Fuck that, man! I like I'm gonna just cart Mike around." And I'm like 23 years old, and I'm like, "Wait, I mean, yeah, I have to sit through an Offspring set or whatever, but I'm going to like they're gonna take me to like a really nice dinner, you know? I just gotta sit there and be cool, which I feel like I am." And, you know, not get wasted and then drive them home. And, like, $200 later. And so I did this for, like, years. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm getting rich off. And everyone's happy with this arrangement, except for my coworkers who are, like, fucking brown noser. Like, hey, man, I mean, you had, no one wanted to do this job. So, yes, that that wasn't my only job at Fat Records, but. Is that is that your job with Brendan now? Yeah. No. In no. Chicago, you're allowed to drive as drunk as you need. That's true. How, how That's much true. does Brendan pay you to do this? Uh, it's what he says is not is like who were we explained this to yesterday about I think it was Dan Ozzy. Yeah, people are like, "Wow, the cops in Chicago, they don't do anything." Like and, you know, we're like you're not going to believe this, but it's pretty much legal to drive drunk in Chicago. Oh, we have a we have a friend and this is not something that, um, I'm not celebrating I'm, this. I'm not celebrating this, and I'm not uh, proud of it, nor am I, uh, you know, it's it's shameful, frankly. But uh, we have a friend who uh, was so drunk that he drove into <laughs> fucking bunch of gas pumps <laughs> in and a gas station. And uh, the cops showed up, and they're like, hey, they're, uh, you uh, really need to get home. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they helped him extract his car from the gas pumps. That was the extent of... I mean, you know, you got to give some credit. I mean, it's like, it's like, yeah, that's the crappy Chicago police, but also give credit to the Chicago drunks. You know, I mean, like they, they're yeah. capable of, of doing a lot. I mean, yeah, that's that same guy flipped his car on like a side street, like where you can't even physically get going fast enough to flip your car. It's, it's almost like a super heroic uh, task of driving. Yeah, we're driving. like, damn, dude. Yeah, it's like, how'd you even get going fast? And he just to- left his car and went home. And he was like, when the cops came, he's like, no, I guess uh, someone stole my car. And they're like, well, the keys were in the car. He's like. Oh, yeah, I think I left the keys in the car. And they're like, okay, no crime here. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no crime there, chief. There is that sad moment of almost admiration. And, you know, I'm sure we all have those stories in our past. I have one moment in Los Angeles where I woke up and looked out and went, dude, I parallel parked that shit. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, well, mean, we have a, a friend of ours, like, actually got a DUI and... They've been fighting it. There's like all the king's horses and all the king's men are like he's got all these lawyers like trying to get him off of it. It's like you you can't give somebody DUI in Chicago. This will not stand. You know, it's like good grief. I mean, I don't even have a fucking car. I as a good socialist take public transportation. But uh, are you still it, in San Francisco? No, I live in Chicago. Oh, you yeah. are in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, the label moved from San Francisco to Chicago in, in what, like 2006, 2007. Is that where you're from originally? No, I'm from the West. I'm from the Northwest, uh, the great state of Washington. But um, so Chicago's warm to you. Well, you know what? It's if you've been to Chicago in the winter, because that's one of the things. I think the label is about to undergo another relocation because you know it's well, it gets like negative. It, it gets like negative forty degrees. It's it's unbearable. It's, I have been there. It's brutal. And I remember when I first moved to New York and I got really cold. A friend of mine said. You know how cold it is right now? Your first thought should be is, wow, it's cold. And your second thought should be, I'm so glad I don't fucking live in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> well, last year when we had that crazy winter thing, I had my, like, all these euros were hitting me up because it was international news, like, Chicago, it's so cold, you know? And I just, on a whim, I was like, I wonder what it's like in Minneapolis. And, like, sure enough, it was five degrees colder in Minneapolis. And they're like, I wonder what it's like in Winnipeg. And it's another five degrees colder. So, yeah, we get a lot of, like, 
sympathy around the world or even the country. But like those places are there's no place for man or beast in 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 the Manitoba peg. in the peg or even Minneapolis. Man, <laughs> those people are that that's some cold shit. They're, that's that's a hardy that's a hardy people. But um, to answer the question from a long ass time ago, <laughs> uh, Toby called me up one day and was like, "Hey." Uh, my name's Toby. I work at Fat Records, and uh, we just were listening to your uh, EP, and we thought it was real cool. And do you want to be on Fat Records? And we just ended up talking for like an hour that day. An hour, I said. An hour. An hour. Thank you very much. It's still early. Um, you know, I'm talking for like an hour, and then we like, and I, at the time, uh, we had some other like options on the table in terms of what we were gonna do. Uh, this is my band, the Lawrence Arms. Um, in terms of like signing to a bigger label and um so we toby and i ended up talking through a lot of stuff more than uh i think we would have if it had just been a sort of a simple cut and dry situation yeah that's that was all bullshit just to just to like sucker you in though that was all can i talk a little bit i don't know if i've ever even told you this but can we talk a little bit about i'll leave the numbers out of it but the contract is this, oh, this, 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 this not funny this is no, not this is not good it's good it's good yeah toby. well it only just it's only bears mentioning because like we're such bros now look when and when Mike was like, hey, we everybody loved Lawrence Arms, you know, and we was playing in the office, and it's like, well, you know, try to like try to. There was a yeah, there was other labels that were like kind of bidding for them, and and Mike gave me this number, and I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm being the, the good company man I am. I'm gonna start even lower than Mike's lowest number and see, you know, which was a lot of money at the time because this was back in the 1900s, and wow, and so I and so I so I started at this at this different number, and. I kind of like was busting balls and they accepted it. And I was like, Mike, guess what? You know, I, we signed him and it's even for less than that. Now, I, <laughs> 10 years later, like Mike doesn't even speak to me, you know, and, and Brennan is like genuinely my best friend. I mean, like we, we, and, and here I am, I, I, I screwed them out of like a lot of money as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. So I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I, never, I never get tired of this story. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, is it ironic? I don't know. Well, well, well you know well, what? I gotta, I gotta say though, um, you, but it was, you bought a lot of breakfasts for me. I've done. I've yeah. I'm trying to pay it back in breakfast one at a time. So, do, yeah. do you mean to say that even on the independent label scene, there is there's people trying to? Uh, there's a bottom line. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, man. Yeah. But that, that uh, I mean, these days, I think that the uh, that the whole idea is just to um, kind of have a model that's even like semi sustainable, right? I mean. You know, like back back in those days, I mean, there was there was money going around. You know, it's like there was bands like Lagwagon selling a quarter million records. Yeah, you know, sure. and it's like that's that's nothing to fucking sneeze at. You know, it's uh it's a it was quite a scene back then. Yeah, but, there, it was. I mean, it, it wasn't exactly like Learjets and Crystal, but even by punk standards, I mean, there were some bands that got like six figure advances, and but then again, they were they were selling it you know, shit ton of records. You know, it blows me away to think of like, this is sort of even before I was uh, at a label. Um, and they used to just do two things. They would put out an ad in Maximum Rock and Roll and put out an ad in Flipside Magazine, which is a magazine that's not around anymore. But Flipside yeah. was a big punk scene back then. You do two ads and it's like, all right, fucking press up 200,000 copies of that new propaganda record because here we go. We just placed our two ads for, you know, the $300 ad budget that they needed. And that's all it took. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Do you think like how does Red Scare work now? Because I, I have this discussion a lot of um, like I see no point in CDs or even vinyl. Like I think, yeah. you know, some people want I like the physicality. I like to hold it, you know, and then they have a Kindle. So I argue that point. Sure. But it's like a couple of years ago, my wife got this uh, like collection box from Warner Brothers and it was a, a USB port. But it was shaped into like the Warner Brothers logo. You know what I mean? It was really cool. And you could pull like the the W out and there was the USB drop. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. That's like a cool physical thing you can have. It's different. And then, you know, all of the art was on there and you can look at it on your computer. And I know it's not the same, but I figure if you're trying to save money as a label, just throwing up everything out there digitally seems like a way to keep your overhead low. Yeah, totally. Well, we were, uh, I mean, I always thought it was pretty forward thinking to be, you know, super iTunes friendly. You know, we would do bonus tracks and we still release our records like a week early through through iTunes and and Amazon and stuff. But you're right. I mean, you said it like what the the collectability, what is the Warner Brothers collection set, you know. When people buy like an LP nowadays, I think it's, it's, I am 
we we put out vinyl and stuff, but I don't really like catering to the whole like collectability of it, you know, because that's just creates this other economy of you know flipping records, and I don't think people should be covetous of of punk music. I know I'm like stupid, but I, that's not I, I'm not. It's a lot of work and money to make this music, and I'm not going to do it so people can have this like. It's cool that they have hobbies, but you know when people buy LPs, they kind of look at it like I just bought stock in a band, and hopefully the band gets bigger or that pressing gets more rare, and they can and it increases in value or something. It's kind of cool, but it's it's changed since I don't know. Didn't something happen with like the Menzingers record or something? Well, Was we there? did a we did a uh, the, when we first did Chamberlain Waits, um, it came out on Record Store Day. The the LP did, and yeah, there was a record store day version, but uh, you know, I, I think I what, I what I did, I think I put up like a joke eBay thing, and it was more of, more of like mocking the people who were already flipping it. You know, a lot of people do that kind of stuff. You know, when yeah. there's, but it, it is kind of like a slap in the face to the band. It's like, you know, who seven seconds was going around, and they had this this awesome box set on this last tour they did, and they were selling it for like twenty bucks, and there was like. 50 or 100 of them or something. And they sold all of them like right away. And I was talking to Adam from the copyrights who was on tour with them. And it's just like, well, they sold all that shit. I mean, like, it's something that's going to be, I mean, somebody's going to make a lot of money off these rare pressings and it ain't going to be seven seconds or the band or whoever it is at the time, you know? So I think I, I didn't, bands shouldn't get into this and I don't think labels should perpetuate this whole like Beanie Babies collectability kind of thing. I mean, I, there are people that use the physical product for listening and enjoying and that's you know how i would like to think that's how that shit gets consumed but you know it doesn't and you know cds i think are is still the best format um if you care about like the quality of the music and i i think it's cool like you talk about like uh uh you know just a download thing or whatever uh, uh, a memory stick and shit mm -hmm. but people do kind of like to have an, a, something to hold a booklet yeah uh, and to just go through the lyrics and i i still think that Labels and bands should try to have a cool product that goes with the music. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's the the whole like I'm glad you said that about flipping it because that always bothered me. And I remember the biggest eye opening thing for me was I was on eBay, and you know searching for you know mostly dick pics. But yeah. it was um, they you, go you for should a go lot. you should get off eBay and go to like yeah. I don't know a porn site if you're looking for <laughs> yeah. dick pics. Wait, wait, a what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> I can do this right now. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> But, like, I remember, like, a first pressing of Road to Ruin was going for, like, 30 bucks. Yeah. And and it's, and the, the you know, I'm a big comic book guy, and, you know, I have a, a giant collection here that is worth nothing because I bought all mine in the 80s because that's when I was a kid, and that's what I was reading, and, and there's no appreciation, you know what I mean? That's yeah. how baseball cards are, too, from the 80s. I collected them, like, all through the 80s, and I was like, these are going to be worth so much in 20 years. They're worth, like, nothing. Yeah, right? well, yeah. It's, because, it's because, like, in Everyone the 80s, that. in the 80s, like, everything was just becoming valuable. It was like right. people were first starting to appreciate kitsch and, uh, you know, nostalgia, and so, like, in the 80s, everybody was like, oh, you know what I need? I need to buy these first pressings of uh, yeah. this, you know, limited edition uh, Frank Miller Batman uh, mini, you know, comic novella series. I'm referring, to, of course, to uh, the cult. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> duh. Because I, I also am a comic book nerd, and I know Frank Maybe Miller. I do have two copies of the cult. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't Frank Miller, was it? Anyway, it doesn't it matter. It wasn't Frank Miller, but it also wasn't good. Yeah, well, hey. Um, but I mean, I remember buying those and thinking that they were going to be worth so much money, and then they would they would appreciate like immediately. I mean, that was like that was that was the first bubble that burst. You know, the first mm -hmm. economic bubble that I saw burst. Man, was the a comic, comic book. Yeah. Well, if everybody kept their comic books and baseball cards in the fifties, then they wouldn't be valuable. They wouldn't have been yeah, valuable in the eighties. But moms were throwing that shit out. You know. Yeah. It's it's. I was just uh, reading yesterday. Um, uh, the website cracked, which I love. They put out like very cool lists of things, and they cite other sources, and they posted things about shit that you don't think is valuable but there's a market for and one of them is lego bricks no yeah. shit yeah and and breakfast Ooh. cereal i read the same article and man you read that the breakfast cereal one i've got yeah. an unopened box of like batman cereal from the movie with michael keaton I'm that i just thought was fun well, and, doesn't and that I, shit like spoil or decay? oh yeah oh fuck, fuck Dude, yeah. Oh, yeah. spoiling and decaying what the fuck has michael keaton been doing <laughs> uh know? michael keaton <laughs> i i like I think he pulled a Moranis. Like I think his wife got sick, oh. and he's like taking care of her. Yeah, because I haven't seen him in anything Hold for a while. That was a, and I feel like a real <laughs> asshole. Well, I, you know, do you I'm, remember that movie he was in? Uh, 
who's super depressing. Um, but fucks, clean, let's go nuts. Clean and sober. No. Uh, sorry to de- totally derail it. He was in that. I like that one movie where they're like in New York City and they're like the loony bin gets out and they go. And oh, yeah. What is that movie? That's uh, Crazy People. It's funny well, people. It's maybe. I know what you're talking about. A, yeah, I, I understand. Saw, <clears throat> yeah, I, I like that, Michael. It's Keaton. hard to believe that he was cast as Batman. Like now, right? Like looking back at it now, you're like, that seemed totally normal at the time. I thought it was so bizarre. It was yeah. bizarre because I knew him I as like that. the dude that from was fucking. Weird. He was the dude from Gong Ho. You know? Yeah, and I was, I was like, it's not. I'm, I remember it be going. It's not Kurt Russell. Wait, what? Like yeah. that seemed like the best casting at that time in the late eighties. Was Batman supposed to be like cool? Because I feel like he's cool now. Is he cool in the comic? Yeah, yeah. yeah Batman was cool in the comic, and uh, yeah, he, he's the coolest character with PTSD you'll ever find. Whose secret power is money. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I'm a big Batman fan, but I'm just like as, as I get older, just not this Batman defender anymore. It's just like if you were broke, could you have done all that shit? Yeah, no, I mean, they, you know, it's it's funny you, you say that because, like, there's a few things that, like, you know, you go through the looking glass and kind of look back at, like, these, like, beloved uh, icons of uh, your youth. I just realized um, Revenge of the Nerds, the jocks were totally the good guys in that movie. The nerds were fucking terrible. The one yeah, guy, he, he basically raped that chick. He raped the chick. Um, <laughs> he took her picture uh, naked and they did the panty raid. They passed out the naked pictures. They burned down their fucking house, you know? And, like, what did those guys do? They're just like, hey, nerds, fuck you. We already go to this college, you know? Like, you're, you're, you just got here. Fuck you, you know? I mean, that that's shitty, but it's not rape and, like, sexual exploitation and burning a fucking house down. Yeah, or, or you know, lighting basically, you know, uh, chemical burns on their nuts. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> It was like, it was I like, totally back this. You're absolutely right. It was just like one assault after another. And it's like, oh, those scrappy nerds. It's like when you go back and look at Back to the Future and you realize how completely fucked up that is. It's like, wait a minute. Biff is waxing your car. He tried to rape your wife at the prom. Well, <laughs> in fairness, I mean, if you can't, you know, if you can't get... You know, regular justice, the sweet street justice of motherfucker waxing your car for the rest of your life. That's pretty yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to press charges in 55. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun laughter at things that are awful. <laughs> Is there a big anniversary party for Red Scare that I wasn't invited to? Yeah, it's tonight. Well, uh, yeah. tonight, tonight is the... Uh, Tonight is the satellite party. Well you're, yeah, well, you're not invited to a lot of things, actually. There's the first one the First one is tonight. Uh, it's sort of just like a pre-hang, you know, like a, yeah, satellite. That's a nice, a moon of, of the of, of if, mothership. If, if, you think of, if you think of Red Scare as a, sort of the Soviet Union, this is like the Cuba tonight. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Loosely affiliated and uh, ideologically. You know, I think it's a shame it. that, like, I, it's it's my fault, of course. But everyone's like, oh, you're pro-Russian. A lot of this Russian imagery. And I actually don't like Russians. Uh, that's a weird, <laughs> I guess that's a weird thing. But yeah, look, I mean, they're, they're, shooting down pa- <laughs> they're, they're shooting down passenger planes. It's like rampant homophobia. Um, you know, it's not like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily, I'm not like a... Uh, you know, a Russophile? A Russophile. You know, I think I, I rarely um, quote John McCain, um, but I'm about to, I guess. You know, like as he said about uh, Putin, he's a Cold War snake in his own, like, kind of, uh, you know, McCain way. He was, was a KGB guy, wasn't he? Putin, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I don't like Russia. So if I'm if I'm going to, if there's, I, I would like to, I'm more, I like Cuba, though. Cuba's cool. I've been to Cuba, and that's, that's the kind of... Uh, it's kind know, of communist I can too. get down with. They're People real nicer. It's Caribbean. Hiding their toilet paper, shit like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the one, we're doing like a little acoustic kind of hangout tonight at a small club in New York, and the Menzingers guys are going to play, and Brendan and Tim from Elway. But we're doing like a more central kind of weekend thing in Chicago where there's uh, one big show where like all the bands are pretty much playing like an all-day thing at Metro. What? When is that? Oh, great. So October 25th. Uh, it's Metro, which is like kind of our big club. Like, you know, that's where... A lot, of, a lot of history has been made there in Chicago. Um, and we're doing, like, some side shows that sort of bookend it, you know, with other solo acts and shit like that. So it'd be pretty fun. I, there's, I know there's playing a, at Metro? Let's talk about it. Because we can put this out before then. That would be a good idea. Yeah, put it out before. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a cool show. There's uh, It's, like, what, 12 bands? It's 13 now. And Brendan's 
thing, the Falcon, which was the first ever release we ever did. The Falcon is is the Falcon was in a very real way, I think, and I mean like stop me if I'm talking out of school here, but was really like the uh, sort of like flashpoint for Red Scare because it's like we had this, I had this band, and it had like uh, so when the Falcon started, it was me. Um, you know, I'm obviously a uh, respected and revered celebrity, mm-hmm. and uh, it was also a guy from the Alkaline Trio. Uh, Dan and um, a guy from Rise Against, Todd, and then Neil, who is the drummer of uh, the Lawrence Arms, uh, <clears throat> and so it was like a, it was a pretty cool project, and it didn't really have a home, and we recorded it like pretty half-assed. Like uh, to- Todd literally broke into a practice space when a band wasn't there, and like recorded his guitar like on his on his laptop while you know while nobody was around, and so it was like was put together in a pretty cool and like slapdash kind of way. Yeah. And for it to show up on a label that didn't exist, it was kind of like a, it was a cool thing for, for both entities. Like what the fuck is this band and who, who's, yeah. So that was, you can say super group. It's cool. It, it, I mean, if, if there's ever been, some a, have said super group, if yes. there's ever been a more super group. I don't know what it, what it's been, mm. what it would be. Wasn't uh, Asia like us? I don't even know who was in a, Asia. I don't know. Asia was one of the guys from the Buggles and <laughs> one of the dudes from Yes. Yeah. And um, I'm going to go kill myself because I don't know why I know that. <laughs> I mean, Supergroup is used very loosely. My band gets called a Supergroup a lot. Not, I'm, I feel like I'm the weak link in the Supergroup, but they're like, members of Thursday, Converge. Yeah. Like, Fuck that, Z. dude. You're not even Aquaman. You're like <laughs> Superman in that shit. But it's always like a weird, like, you can't describe your own band as a Supergroup. It like, sounds very egotistical. Yeah, well, you know, it depends on who you are. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're fucking Bob Dylan and you're in the Traveling Wilburys and you're like... I'm in this dumb fucking super group or something. You know what's crazy about <laughs> yeah, the Traveling Wilburys? I worked at a record store. I don't know if I talked about this before. I worked at a record store, in, I guess, in the early 2000s. And that CD was out of print because when Roy Orbison died, they couldn't sort stuff out with his estate. Uh-huh. And people would come in every few months and be like, do you have this record? And it was impossible <coughs> to get for, like, years. And it was going for so much oh, money. Shit. Like, Handle With Care. Yeah, now it got reissued. They figured well, that it out. Is, that is the ultimate super group. That is the most super of groups. Well, what so is, it's, what's it's the best... Petty, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, uh, Jeff Lynn, uh, fucking Jeff Jeff Art, Lynn wasn't um George Harrison. Yeah, George Harrison. That's and you know, you know how they put that shit together. There's actually a documentary about it, and um, a buddy of mine uh, was just happened to be around helping shoot it, which is fucking insane. But they all just were somebody was staying in like Bob Dylan's house, and he was just kind of wandering around. And so they're like, "Do we want to just fucking do something?" And there's like footage of them just writing. And putting shit together, and there's this scene of it of Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison in the studio together, both just working on a song, and everybody, including George Harrison, is just like staring, like, "Wow, this is the coolest fucking thing." It's like the, <laughs> it's like the yeah. best vocalist ever and the best lyricist ever are just you know putting stuff together. I don't think that could happen now, like for some reason. Like I don't think those people could get in the same room. Like it just seems like it would be so much more complicated. Like, I can't even fucking get coffee with my friend now. It's too complicated. <laughs> like, to get those dudes in, like, one room and to, like... Well, you know, the thing is that, like, <clears throat> I feel like the uh, the modern age has made it so you don't even have to get in the same room anymore. And so it becomes, like... I think, like, right. I've noticed this. Like, like being on time is a thing of the past. Because everybody's got a fucking phone. And if you're, like, five minutes late, you just text and you're like, hey, I'm a little late. Or you just show up and you go, ah, you know, fuck, you know, my last meeting ran over or whatever. And it's like nobody cares anymore. Yeah. Punctuality used to be so, like, paramount to, like, making a good impression. And it was, you know, I say this as we show up 10 minutes late to this. I'd say, uh, like, five minutes late. Okay, but... whatever. Point being. And also, I'm calling in on Skype today. <laughs> <laughs> Steven is only here virtually. Yeah. But, uh, but, but you know what I mean? It's like the... As things become easy, it becomes harder to just do like the regular bare minimum of shit that used to be like what you had to do in order to just like have a goddamn function. I think that's also age too. You know what I mean? Like I feel that like once you grow up and have kids, like even before that, like your entire world becomes around about scheduling. Because, you know, I long for the days of want to hang out. Like I don't even know what that means anymore because hang out to me means like a small window between when I can take the train and get home. Yeah, totally. Totally, I, I, but uh, but like you know, I, I have a I have a day job. I work as a an ad man, you know, down in the skyscraper downtown. It's like Mad Men, right? Yeah. It, it is a lot like Mad Men. 
Do you still smoke in the office? Uh, we don't smoke in the office, but you can't. How's lay- the sexism? Is it still really rampant? Or um, so my office, and uh, I I don't speak just for my office. The entire world of marketing is like ninety five percent women. It, it's 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 a completely female dominated industry. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's mostly like young, like good looking. Uh, Your wife it, is like an ad exec, and she's. Pretty young and good looking. And yep. probably makes a lot more money than, I mean, she all makes of us. Lot, yeah, she makes a lot of money. She does. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Gert, ladies, if you're out there. My sister, when she lives in Chicago, worked in an ad agency before she did comedy full time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just. rich? It's a total. It's, a, it's, a, okay. it's a ladies. It's a ladies world, man. Uh, but, um. I don't remember what the fuck. Oh, but the but everybody's like, there, you know, there's like a meeting maker and it's like, okay, we're going to meet at 1030 and discuss oreos or whatever the fuck it is and it's like 10 30 just comes and goes and i can see everybody it's like an open floor plan office and i see everybody just dicking around it's 10 30 it's 10 40 and then it's like at 10 42 i stand up i'm like hey are we gonna fucking meet on this and everyone's like oh yeah okay that sounds cool okay fine and- yeah dude the meeting thing is someone <laughs> said to me one time that uh meetings are the most worthless thing in any kind of corporate environment because it's just someone who it's just everybody someone wants to just talk a lot of people want to just you know be noticed and have their voice heard but it could always be solved in two emails yeah oh absolutely i have no idea how my wife gets anything done because she's like i have a meeting i'm like what you have a meeting about what you should be doing now and she went yeah i know that's why i'm always late coming home because then i can work yeah when i worked i never go to meetings now because i don't have a job really i mean i, I freelance <laughs> but when i worked at alternate press we would have these meetings where it's like the whole staff and it's like, no one cares what anyone else is doing. They're like, yeah. what's going on with the marketing? It's like, I don't care. Like, I just want to get my shit done. Yeah, totally. I don't want to know what you're working on. You don't care what I'm doing. You don't care what band's on the cover. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, you know, but, you know, that's, uh, my wife says she could, you know, she could get her, she'd get her job done if it wasn't for the meetings, you know? I'm sure. But, well, if this, uh, what, if, if the Bob Dylan band isn't the best, uh, super group, then is the Highwayman maybe the best? What's the best oh, super group? That was a Highwayman. That's Christopher a pretty good super group right there. Johnny that's pretty Cash, nice. Willie Nelson, and uh, uh, Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Good. I got the best super group. The Dirty Mac. Who's that? Rolling Stones, Rock and Roll Circus. It's John Lennon, Eric Clapton, and Keith Richards. Yeah, but you see, Eric Clapton's such a pud. You gotta- it's true. <laughs> I do not support yeah. Eric Clapton at all, and that's like. It's kind of like my barometer for when I talk to guitar people. It's like when I talk to drummers. Like, well, John Bonham. I go, oh, shut the fuck up. You know, it's like the same way I feel with like Eric Clapton. I'm like, yeah, I just, yeah, it's not my thing. Well, you know, John Bonham, you know, say what you will about John Bonham, but he is hardly the most egregious, um, you know, hero for the dork. Um, that would go to, uh, what's his dick? Neil Peart. Neil Peart. Yes. God. You know, if you, it's like, it's like somebody in a frat house, put that on like once and then it's just been this like fucking uh jacob's ladder of nerds being like yeah no but he's awesome no you gotta see but he, he's got so many drums and he hits them all and it's like that, yeah. that's not even that's not even the criteria <laughs> I, I, was, I was it's funny you mentioned this because i was listening to roll the bones this morning because <laughs> I, I, we were out we were out to like i was out with these guys till like three in the morning i got <laughs> home I woke up and I had put it on last night, like found it and I listened to it and I was like, I'll put it on. And I was like, my birthday's a mom turning 35. And I was like, walk in and like, it's like, yeah, why does it happen? Because it happens. And I was like, yeah, these guys get me. Like, <laughs> like I was like, mortality. Yeah. It's like, roll the bone. Yeah. Yeah, like none of this shit matters, but that's okay. And then it went, I forgot it goes into that rapping part. Oh, Jesus. And it's so bad and it's so long. And I was like, fuck this. <laughs> Why did they wow. do that? There's this you know huge. know that Neil wrote that rap. That rap oh. is so insane and it doesn't God. make any sense. I mean. This is Rush we're talking about? Yeah, we're talking about Rush. yeah, yeah Toby. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, sorry. Dive in, man. Caressive steel. Well, it, go, it goes b- going back to uh, Canadians and supporting the arts. Sometimes there's a. There's a there's there's a downside to this. You got you <laughs> yeah. got Rush, who's pretty much oh, and then you you know you you hear like dudes like Chris from Propaganda, who's just like, yep, Rush, fucking best band, and it's like you gotta be fucking kidding. You're actually in the best band. You think that these yeah. fucking clowns are in the best band? Right. But I'm I'm sorry, I'm not trying to diss Rush, your boyfriends, but. Uh, Look, we wait, haven't, wait, haven't wait, called Steven, me in years, but everybody's <laughs> got that dark band, you know, in, in their background. You know, you've got some floating around where people are like, no fucking way. Like, I have every Suzanne Vega record and I'm proud to say it. That's you know? cool. 
I don't believe in guilty pleasures, really, man. It's like if somebody puts out a good record, yes. they put out a good record. That's, you know, uh, like if I, I highly doubt this would ever happen, but if like Candlebox came correct with a, like an <laughs> album I could really get behind, I'd be like, oh, no, that one Candlebox album is actually awesome. You know, I, I know you know them as that band of total dipshits in the 90s that like tried to like co-opt grunge <laughs> via some sort of like shebop magazine <laughs> template but you know yeah uh, actually if, if you've if you've never heard their album uh you know whatever the fuck they're anyway you get the you get the point uh i i would i would back candlebox <laughs> yeah I, you know what's weird for me i like some don henley stuff but hate the eagles oh i am but, so with you there man right yeah because like like boys of summer that's like if you're you know in your 30s which we are, we are. and uh you were nope. a little <laughs> well, yeah, but I bet you got the same thing, man. It's like when Boys of Summer first came out. I'm talking about the uh, the pre Atari's version. I consider the Atari's version to be the original, the, the seminal but, version. But, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, <laughs> oh mercy! Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, the the Don Henley version, man. <clears throat> you're a little kid, and you hear that song, and it's like. It's kind of sexy. It's kind of scary. It gives you like a weird feeling. It like used to give me like butterflies in my stomach and I'd listen to it and be like, I don't know what I feel about this. It's like totally kind of dark. It was like the, the video was that black oh, and white. And it was like just dramatic. like, it was just like, it's like those butts going up and down, <laughs> yeah. you know, like by the volleyball net. Oh man. And it, it's just like, it was like the first real like taste of like visceral darkness. Was it the end of your innocence? Uh, oh, bro, bro. <laughs> Very impressive, Steven. Yeah. Oh God! Now, now you're making me. But want that's to punch another Don song Henley. that was kind of like that too. Yeah, except for I hated that one. Really? I yeah. like that one too. I mean, you know, oh, what the, are we getting to the heart of the matter? <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, the, dude, see, these are, they're all this. The, yeah, Toby, that, stop crying. Every, everything that came out of the Eagles uh, is such a fucking nightmare. It's like I consider uh. I consider so many. Like when I think of the worst songs ever written, I've, I've got a short list. Okay. Number one uh, is R.O.C.K. in the USA by uh, John Mellencamp. That song Disagree. is... Disagree. What? Disagree. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that song is fucking terrible. But um, my least least favorite songs... I, I, I just threw that one out there first because it's not Eagles affiliated. But um, uh, All She Wants to Do is Dance by Don Henley. You hate that song? Fuck you. That song is terrible. <laughs> well, I see what about its use in the movie Real Genius? Uh, well, I mean, was that in the Real Genius? I remember it being in 48 yeah. Hours. Yeah, it was in Real Genius, oh. but not on the soundtrack. Oh, no. All she wants to do is dance. I was thinking uh, The Heat is On, which is another song I fucking hate. It's a pretty bad yeah, song. We were like 10 years old and shit when this came out. Did You you were, you were calling bullshit on that. Because oh. I remember All oh, She Wants yeah. to Do is Dance. And, and you remember make the video? Romance. You remember the video though? Fuck out of here! Remember and the video? Romance. It was like set in like some weird like uh, Mad Max Havana, dystopia. Kabea. Yeah, yeah. that wasn't cool to you. And, at age. and did you know that's like the story of the song? It's like it literally is about the apocalypse, and a girl just wants to dance. Yeah, fuck you, Don Henley. Get out of here with that nonsense. All she wants to do is dance I, and I, make I, romance. I back it totally. Feel the heat coming off the it's, street. It's desperado she wants on that to damn party. list. Yeah. Ooh, she, she wants, wants to, to get, get down. No, it's fuck good. you. What about Addicted no to Love? How do you feel oh, about that? Addicted to Love is... That's uh, Robert Palmer. That's Robert Palmer. Right? Yeah. And uh, actually, that song is actually... I aged, put that in the same category. It's, it's it's totally stupid, but it's aged a little better for me. What because, band is he from? Yo, who... What was his deal? Power Station. Power Station, huh? There you is go. That, is that a real... Is that, yeah. a, is he, that is actually a super group. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Who is in Power that Station? Andy and John Taylor from Duran Duran and oh. Robert Palmer. You're like the Oracle kind of <laughs> a little bit. Uh, dude, I, well, this me, is, I can't remember. Like, I, I get reminded about my anniversary, but I know who was yeah. fucking in Power Station. <laughs> Let me ask you this because this is what I've been trying to like rack my brain over not to kind of go off of uh, the Rush thing. What is like a terrible Canadian, well, not a butt, like a butt rock Canadian band, uh, and they would sell out arenas in Canada? It's Guess not, who? It's not Dire Straits, but it's got some kind of stupid name like that. I'm killing myself. What trying was to think of what Tom it. Cochran's old band? Weren't they a big band? Just an, you think of like a classic Rocky? Kind, kind of type classic band? rock, yeah. They probably haven't done anything since the 80s, but they still sell out stadiums in Canada. Like Sloan or something? No, no, way before that. See, oh God, I don't know. Totally See, now, now you're reaching. Um, okay, so what was Glenn Fry's fucking hit? Because that was the one that I hate. That's the one I hate the most. Steven? Uh, Glenn Fry's hit was You Belong to the City. Oh, no, 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 no. He also did Smuggler's Blues, didn't he? 
Yeah, but that was on the Miami Vice soundtrack. Kind of a fun video. Yeah, no, the video was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, there's another one, too. Glenn Fry had one that was just so fucking shitty. It was, like, right up there with all she wants to do is dance. Anyway, I think we can all agree the Eagles are a, a scourge. Uh, yeah. Somebody somebody who works for, for Showtime, uh, the, 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 the network Showtime, uh, had on the, the Eagles documentaries on in a row and whoever the genius was that programmed the lineup that day put the big Lebowski on right after them. That's amazing. That's awesome. The, I mean, you know, that's the best selling album of all time is the Eagles greatest hits. What does that yeah. tell you about like, you know, sometimes, sometimes not, not about many things, but every once in a while, ISIS is right about a few things. Well, Man. there's some stuff like, like the Steve uh, Miller band, like, that's also one of the best-selling records, I think. Yeah, and but it's, it's, like, it's, it's so inoffensive compared to the fucking Eagles. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like put me in a fucking room. Like, I will go on tour with the Steve Miller band before I will sit in a room <laughs> while somebody puts on Hotel California. But you know what's you know? crazy? And I, someone <laughs> oh, was talking God. about this. I heard someone talking about it. It's like, no one fucking knows what Steve Miller looks like. That guy's, like, pulled it off. Like, yeah. he's super rich. Like a rock star and can like go to the grocery store and no one knows who the fuck he is. He's yeah. also one of the guys who kind of paved the way for artists getting um, licenses and royalties. Really? He was, he was really into that. That's like one of his... Someone told me that as I was just in a mood as as as, as you are talking shit. And it was... What? I was going off on Steve Miller and they were like, okay, but he did this. And I went, oh. Yeah, but he wrote cool. The Joker. So I feel like that undoes all of that good stuff. So everyone should give their money back. Is that is are, that that record that is like the best-selling record? Aren't like four of those songs like covers or something? Maybe it that, is, it's it, interesting that you say that thing about licensing and royalties and stuff because I think that he's like covered some of those hits that we think is Steve Miller. I, that, I what, what, was that that's like a greatest hits record? Is his big yeah, record? Like yeah. that's kind of weird too. It's like well, it's yeah. not even a real it's, fucking record. Yeah, I don't know if they're if he did put out like proper. Record. It must. I mean, it's kind of a good idea if you think about it. It's like just distill it down to the best shit and put it out. You know, keep well, the singles on one. You know, this is a this is one of my favorite uh, pieces of trivia. Can you think of how many bands can you think of where their like a uh, debut album was a live album? Hmm. Debut album was a live big, album. I mean, wasn't Fra- Frampton? Kiss. Oh, that's true. Yeah, really. Sure. Uh, Jane's Addiction. Yeah, yeah, that's a terrible record though. But um, I mean. That's is that, that's a crazy fucking way to like start your band. Be like, all right, you know what? <laughs> this show tonight, here we go. Just bring the shit down. <laughs> there, there is something that like uh, they record. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of uh, not just to bring it back full circle. Sure. What, you, what you were talking about uh, with that that Ramones uh, record that cost you thirty bucks, and you talking about um, you know looking for reissues and shit that's been out of print. One thing that's actually plaguing like what what labels do like in contemporary like modern day shit, you know, is that now there's all these like vinyl reissues of everything. Uh, I mean, like Zeppelin's what all every major butt rock band is like kind of reissuing their whole catalog, 180 gram vinyl. And when you go to the record store now, it's like the Ghostbusters soundtrack is now on an LP. The new thing is the fucking Forrest Gump soundtrack is now on an LP, and uh, it's just like. If you've ever gone record shopping, you know that's one of the cool things. You go to the used vinyl bin, and you can get an entire catalog of, like, some of the best music from the 70s, 80s, whatever. All that Beatles shit, it's a buck. You know, it's great. Yeah. The, the vinyl is so readily available and abundant because that's back in the day when, you know, people sold hundreds of thousands of Kiss LPs. Right. And so eventually they all end up back in the used bin. And But for whatever reason, obviously not for whatever reason, because there's, like, this stupid vinyl boom, um, they're all the majors are like clogging up all the pressing plants with all these reissues of shit that's like i mean and i'm not kidding you like we're trying to do records and there's like a it's 16 weeks now to to make to make an lp of the wait list so it's kind never of never thought of that that's really yeah fucked and, up. and like and every time you talk to plants it's like dude we are slammed <laughs> you, you look at their websites and like what they're putting out and shit and it's all like you know reissues of stuff that's already available you know all and and it's it's kind of a bummer because again there's new artists doing compelling stuff but as you, if you follow like indie labels and shit they're we're kind of saddled with these production delays and uh it, it, it really it's it's makes things difficult and is this why people are out putting fucking cassettes again? Because there's nothing more annoying. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 we just put out a cassette, and I, <laughs> I even but feel you like put it out annoying. with your box set. The though. box set, yeah. We did some vinyl with it, but you know what? This what exactly what you're talking about is why I stopped going to record store day. 
because I thought it was so cool when it started, and then yeah. I felt like major labels got involved, and now it's like, get a Fleetwood Mac thing that's available already for like 40 bucks. It was just yeah. all this shit that I was like, I don't care about this. It's already, you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. And now and now the cool people can't do Record Store Day because there's like, you know, a six month, you got to submit your shit so far in advance. It's really kind of impossible for, for jack-offs like us to, to get our snout in that trough. You know true, true, bro. Um, I would like to point out before this gets too far off the rails <laughs> that I have the Ghostbusters fucking soundtrack on vinyl. Sure, from back in the day. Yeah, God damn it. Fair, fair. Yeah, but like, just, is it I something- have that shit on cassette, man. Bus boys this- represent. I got that shit on cassette too. Yeah, it's got the red, the red back of the cassette. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I got that shit. But don't Listen you that kinda- over and over, saving the day. I'm with you. Saving the day. <laughs> But people that need to go and get, it's rad that you guys have the Ghostbusters soundtrack and you should. But these kids who are like faking the funk and who want to get the new, I mean, like if you want the Ghostbusters soundtrack, go find an old one. Yeah, you know, Fuck yeah, you know, yeah, you have the fucking internet. Like you should be able to find it. Yeah, right, right. You're, yeah, it's yeah. I got that shit. I was six. You know, you can, you can find it now with the fucking internet. You're yeah, you didn't even have a job. Old. Yeah, <laughs> it's goddamn right, man. <laughs> oh, I, by the way, I remember the. I just remember the Canadian band Supertramp. Um, oh, yeah. That's another example of maybe Some, where socialism and supporting the arts. Uh, I, when I was went in, the wrong fucking way. Yeah, yeah. I was in Canada once, and it was the night that uh, whatever the the Vancouver Canucks like clinched the playoffs. I was in Vancouver, Victoria, and people were losing their minds. It was like, oh my god, our team's in the Stanley. They're in the Stanley Cup. Canadians, this is a big deal, you know. Sure. The hockey. And, uh, but also, but they had a major problem. And it was, there's a scheduling conflict because Supertramp was doing two sold out nights in the arena where the first game was supposed to be scheduled for the hockey game. It was like the most ultimate conundrum. Like, <laughs> we love the Stanley Cup, but it's fucking Supertramp. Like, <laughs> you know, what, what is it? Well, and right then is why we should have taken them out years ago. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's how I like to end things with wanting to bomb Canada. Jonah, I think what, what's the clock say? I think we're. I think we started at like ten forty-five. It is now eleven thirty-seven. We're probably like fifty. Probably that, about, well, that thing says fifty-six minutes. I think it started a little early. I think we go a little longer. I thought. Well, I have to actually jam out, I so to jam I have out. to leave you. I have to go pick up children from preschool. So. That's always that's always a good time. Yeah, so um, I'll do that. It's a kiss and ride. The teachers put them in, and I just cruise out. Oh, that's it's nice. Lovely. Um, your kids go like eight. What do they go like eight to eight to noon or something? Uh, yeah. D- yep. Exactly. That, that's so. nice. My kid, my daughter goes nine to noon, three hours almost. Okay. Yeah, that sucks. Then that's, there's no yeah. time to do shit. Then I can't do anything. <laughs> you're all, I'm doing you're, this now. All you can do is like you get on the internet and you're like, all right, I'll try to get something done. Oh, maybe I'll look at a little pornography. And then it's like 20 minutes later, and you're like, all right, now I really don't have time to do anything. Exactly. So I'm just exactly. going to dick yeah. around on the internet. You go, you go to eBay looking for dick pics. You know, <laughs> it's like. But, dudes, this has been glorious. Thank you for yeah. being part of hey, our uh, technological e conferencing. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us, man. This is, uh, this is awesome. We, of course. Uh, we're very excited to be out here. And, uh, you know, the, this has always been a. Super super fun town, and yeah. I'm glad that Red Scare can do something. It is here. a yeah, it's it's nice. It's a I'm grateful for the uh, exposure opportunity. Turns out people really don't give a shit about little punk labels. So you hey know. man, we have dozens of listeners. So don't you worry? <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, my sister Shut- will check this out. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Well. <laughs> Well, that was dripping with sincerity. Here's the thing about how fun that was. Uh, Brendan Kelly, uh, as we've been having a slew of awesome guest hosts on the podcast due to me being pretty much permanently sequestered in New Jersey and Brad being, uh, I don't know, running a studio and having a job, Mike as well, working for the Food Network. Jonah, who writes consistently and tours in a band, is here every single time, but Whenever Brendan Kelly's in town, uh, he needs to be a guest host as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. And there was kind of, and what the great thing was is when Brendan's around, I want to have, you know, a little segment, which is a, um, you know, a dick joke countdown for him. (laughs) I know it didn't come till way later. I feel like than I thought it would, I thought it was going to be right off the bat. Yeah, I was waiting for it. Kind of let me down, but um, that's why he has to come back for more. Uh, so that night after we taped the podcast was the show, and it was my birthday, and Brendan <laughs> dedicated a song to me. So it was my friend Jonah who's turning 22 tonight, and some kid came up to me like really drunk later. He was like, are you really 22? 
<laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, I've had a really hard life. <laughs> and he was like, I'm so, and I was like, no, I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> Dude, that's that's two years in a row with the killer dedications on your birthday. Yeah. Chris Conley saves the day. You're doing pretty well. 34, Brendan, 35. Yeah, not bad. You could make a greatest hits record of your birthday. (laughs) Dude, by the time you're 40, you're going to have a killer mixtape. Yeah. I cannot wait. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. Hungover Jonah is one of my favorite things. (laughs) It is. Not one of my favorite things. It's kind of like he goes into kind of like robo Jonah mode. You know, it's like he kind of gets monotone. I feel like I'm, I'm like... I'm like thinking like, how would you act normally? Just try to do that. (laughs) And just thinking that makes it already, makes me be so weird. I'm like, no one can tell. No one can tell. Just keep going. And I'm glad that you just completely pointed it out because now I'm going to stop trying at all. You guys talk. I'm done. done. Don't try it. All right. If you want to send us a lovely message, hit us up at facebook.com slash going off track. We've gotten some wonderful PayPal donations. Thank you. If you want to keep the podcast going, or as we like to call it, a great way to break even, go over to our website, goingofftrack.com. There's a donate button. You can click that and it will give you prompts to send over some dough to pay for Little tiny things like, I don't know, Brad taking time away from the job that actually pays him to do a podcast that pays him nothing. <laughs> it pays me in, in just warmth of, of fellowship. Mm, yes. Wow. Warmth, I, I, may, I may need another coffee. Yeah, I definitely need some coffee. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Brendan and Toby, for coming. And next week, cool episode, right? Woo! All right.